This is the Real Digital Transformation podcast series, empowering technology and business professionals to succeed with digital transformation. Now, here's your host, best-selling author Thomas Earle. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Real Digital Transformation podcast series. I'm your host, Thomas Earle, and today I have with me David Adewaye Abodunrin, who is a cybersecurity expert and coach for organizations and teams around the world. David, welcome to the show. Yes, thanks for having me, Thomas. I'm excited to be here today. Super. I'm very interested in getting into um, your uh, area of expertise, which is focused on cybersecurity, not just on its own, but also how it relates to digital transformation initiatives in particular, because that intersection of security concerns, planning for security, um, and understanding any new risks, new threats, and new requirements that we have when we embark on a digital transformation, it's a critical success factor because not understanding that, not taking precautions, not um, factoring that into our plans could undermine our entire effort, could negate our entire investment in that. So my, my first question to you, David, is when you look at cybersecurity and you look at what digital transformation initiatives right now <clears throat> are comprised of and the scope of uh, what they encompass, um, what, what are the unique challenges, the unique and distinct concerns that we have to plan for from a cybersecurity perspective, specifically for digital transformations. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me, Thomas. Uh, the, the unique challenges uh, for the cybersecurity space in digital transformations have to do with clarity about the business objectives. Many times, many organizations start the journey for for uh, the journey to digital transformation from a perspective of an incident or set of incidents on one hand, you also have things like regulatory requirement. Uh, number three, new trends in the industry and new risks within the industry. Seldom do people think about the business and the future of the business in itself or the emergent challenges within the business. So uh, you have majority of the cybersecurity uh, uh, transformation energy coming from incidents. So organizations are vastly unprepared for the complexities that might come along the transformation journey because it is never an original part of the business thinking. Until recent times, uh, we have many organizations all over the world where cybersecurity um, isn't even taking a front burner in their business considerations until much more recently because of the nascent emergent way threats uh, emerging, the new nature of uh, uh, advanced persistent threats, and the idea that we now have things like crime as a service where people literally are pinging organizations and their servers to try and create vulnerabilities. And people are actually putting money into a lot of research into vulnerabilities and how to even make stuff vulnerable 
uh, as we approach the aggregated world of Internet of Things. So um, the big challenge is how the entire cyber digital transformation projects are conceived or set up. That setup in itself typically arises many of the times from um, what you call incidents, problems that happen that you observe mm -hmm. or regulatory requirement. It's never an original part of the uh, enterprise IT thinking because typically IT budgets and transformation efforts are looked directly at from the window window view or, or the world view of processes of business expansion of requirements for the business or uh, competing uh, requirements from the from the industry so that customers are asking for better service in the cyber realm until people or someone is duped or an incident happens and that's me trying to make it clearer or there's news that there'll be a sanction as we see in asia where the ceo is getting more liable if you are ever, if you hold, um, for example, public data and it gets breached and your consumers are injured because of that, CEOs are beginning to go to jail uh, somewhere in some, some uh, in China and some other Asian tiger allied first causing economies are beginning to do those kinds of interventions. So generally the conception around cyber digital uh, 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 transformation if you, get, if you get what I'm saying, is typically knee-jerk or reactionary. And, and that's the leading kind of challenge you have. Um, so that concepts like cyber secure by design is still very young and nascent in, in, in deployment, if you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. the, the, um, when it comes to digital um, solutions, uh, the adoption of new digital <clears throat> technologies as part of these initiatives. And then we look at how that raises new requirements and concerns from a security perspective. In order to, um, uh, in order to uh, design our systems to be cyber secure in advance as much as possible, is it mostly about adopting newer, more contemporary cybersecurity tools and, and products and platforms, or is it also carry over into um, human practices and procedures so that human involvement, human error uh, don't become the weak links in our, in our uh, IT enterprise? How, how have you seen that kind of form itself? F fantastic question, both actually. Uh, much more recently, we have concepts like um, human firewalls, where we're discovering in digital transformation efforts that the more human beings are aware, and for example, the more we are able to get behavioral change so that people do not click, moving people, moving the dial of behavioral change from be cautious from just clicking anything out of curiosity and interest and passion and love, which makes people vulnerable to phishing attacks and all the kinds of allied attacks that can be engineered around social relationships, as you have in social engineering on one side, how do we move people up the ladder of awareness to the point where they 
are very conscious and we reduce the incidence of clicking by capacity building and seeing that behavioral change. Now, that is a major, major part of the cyber digital transformation efforts I've seen. And organizations that achieve that will have considerable less budget. You will have some amount of firewalling uh, around your enterprise and landscape because human behavior has changed. And as we say in cybersecurity anyway, ultimately, all hacks are human acts. Ultimately, all hacks or all vulnerabilities typically would have the agency of a human being involved. And it's a very strong point. We also have points like tailgating, ensuring that your staff do not tailgate with someone else or however you may want to look at it because when an incident happens, that can pull all of us down because we don't know who is in the building and who is not or who has access to our physical installations or not. So on one side, that is very powerful and organizations need to begin to look at that. On the other side, you see, the nature of digital transformations until recently does not typically start from the cybersecure thinking. In fact, we are typically thinking customer satisfaction faster processing times. We are thinking about process improvement. We are typically thinking about having our employees being able to satisfy our customers in time. We're looking at industry trends and industry average. We're looking at profitability. Seldom do you start the conversation from the risk management element of the new solutions and the new behavioral patterns uh, that the customer is having that is necessitating us to actually think cybersecurity. It doesn't start that way. So it's always an afterthought somehow. Now, the problem with that, and I don't blame uh, uh, CIOs and, and the CISOs and, and the entire management of the business practice. Remember, businesses are set up as entities that really want to make money. Now, because businesses want to make money, the challenge is it's not easy to think safety. Let me give you a practical example. When you you can there's something called over cyber security, where 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 you have everything very secure, but it's now detrimental to the number of processes you can do per time or per minute. I mean, if you have if if you have to authenticate uh, your financial institution and every time your people want to do a transaction, even if it's just to pay at the till. Um, just just swipe your card at the till. You still have to authenticate with either your thumbprint or iris or whatever. While that is secure, it may create customer dissatisfaction. So that trade-off, that business trade-off between security and the business result and objective we're looking for is not very easy for many businesses to think through. This is where security architects and solutions architects and enterprise architects need, need to have a nexus of thinking at the point of solutions design across enterprises and also putting the fronted experiences of the customer into the picture. That's the only way we will have a robust thinking. Some things would work with just human awareness and some things we must toughen or harden up to select what what would we toughen up on so that we don't disturb customer satisfaction for example we may be safe yet losing business and the other point is 
what people call cybersecurity at times is compliance and not cybersecurity. So because cybersecurity, so because you're compliant, because you have ISO 27001, because you are NIST compliant, because you've done COVID or you've rolled out something to your enterprise, doesn't mean you are cyber secure. Cybersecurity is cybersecurity. Why compliance are all the things you do to maintain regulatory requirements. Now, the organizations that have spent money on getting ISO certified, for example, and then they get they, they don't understand an incident. How did we have a breach? I thought we are ISO 27001 qualified, and they put that on all their website. They roll, they roll it out, and they're happy about it, which is good. But being cyber secure is deeper. Right, right. Of course, it is. You're right. It's it, it's much deeper. It needs to be deeper. Yep. I, I fully appreciate that. And, and, you know, with what you were just saying about human involvement, <clears throat> um, one of the things that gets heavily promoted, especially in the cloud computing space, is the increased sophistication of um, cloud automation within cloud platforms. And that carries over into the automation of um, security-related tasks, and the um, and it's it's marketed, it's promoted as being a better way to do cybersecurity because of many of the tasks that may have traditionally been performed by human um, security administrators. If they are now automated, then it reduces or eliminates. Um, the possibility of human error. What, what's your opinion about that? Have you had experience with that yet? Have you seen that in action? And do you think that um, increased automation, uh, reliance on increased automation is a good thing for the future of cybersecurity? Yes. There are the gains of it. There are the positives and there are the negatives. The positives generally have to do with the the idea that we are all in one location so we can we can cyber secure if you get what i mean yeah we can cyber secure everything together and we can have economies of scale so you don't have to protect your server i don't have to protect my server alone it's better for all of us to have massive protection around central cloud infrastructures that is the strength of of the cloud and and again we, there are also things like um, 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 software as a service where you just look, you, you just demand what you need per time, if you get what I mean, so that we don't have to have too many massive servers on site and that can create uh, em- environmental hazards too and, and, the, and those also have implications on sustainability and disaster recovery and all of that energy, uh, the recovery time for a business if there were to be an incident. And, and those are very strong reasons uh, why I, I think I, I land up with cloud infrastructure. But the challenge is if, like you said, we have hacker groups or archivists who are just very hot-headed or we have a, a right brass tags um, government terrorists, what do you call them now? Uh, hackers, uh, national entities that are sponsored by governments who are hackers and they really decide to go into sophisticated attacks as we have in the nature of advanced persistent threats, APTs. What you will see if you do a threat intelligence analysis on the uh, on what you call the adversarial strategy, the nature, the nature of the attack, 
is that you are introducing a concentrated point of attack on the cloud, meaning that once we locate that your devices are linked and linked to the cloud and cloud is the backbone of it, you are creating a target point. And it becomes very scary when you think about Internet of Things and you think about the interconnectedness of the Internet and how right now there's actually a website where you can see the IP address of if you pick a certain kind of device now, you can, this site is online, you can see the IP address of every single type of that device in the world and where it is located. Mm-hmm. That's, that's scary, all because the cloud is the concentrated point. So it introduces new dimensions of risks. And we would have to employ an army in quotes to protect our cloud infrastructure. It's creating a big space and it requires double. It's like having the, the central military uh, installation of a country. That's where cloud computing is taking all of this to. We will have to invest in really securing those locations and we must we must not just uh, be on the defensive, we must do offensive cybersecurity around, around cloud infrastructure. We must be on the offensive trying to check for crime and we must uh, do what I call remote sensing of threats, which means we're looking for opportunities for attack rather than waiting for the attack. Interesting. Um, let me ask you one more question. I, I, uh, I hear a lot about how cyber crime, cyber attacks are becoming more sophisticated because those that carry those out are now leveraging AI technology to improve the effectiveness of those attacks. And at the same time, those who create cybersecurity solutions are using AI technology to improve the defenses and the, the security controls. How, how much of that have you seen and where do you see that going, both the, the, the defensive side and the offensive side, both using AI to uh, achieve their objectives. What, how do you view that right now? That, that, that's a very powerful question. Thanks for that. You see, one of the problems we have in cybersecurity is that to be a cyber defense expert takes a lot. You've got to do a certification, master some skill sets, go to some classes, certify this and certify that. But to be a criminal is <laughs> a matter of curiosity. Your laptop... And the ability, you have the internet or Wi-Fi, and the ability to want to cause trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it takes. And, and so, so we have the barrier to entry into the cyber offense realm is lower. While the cyber defense realms, you have to be a policeman, you've got to go to police college, that's, that's, <laughs> you've got to go to a graduation, you have to have a police diploma, you have to understand policing. But to be a criminal, man, just have curiosity, observe loopholes, be ready to experiment. If you're caught, you go to jail a few times and then you're out <laughs> again. Now, so we need to do something about the barrier to entry. The other thing, and, and how that problem will be solved isn't yet clear to me, but we've got to make sure that we are able to create defense mechanisms around the cyber world or the internet um, in less time. 
And one of the ways I think we can do that, although, is actually to have what you call cross-pollination. So if you were an architect, an enterprise architect before, you can become a cyber enterprise architect. So people need to migrate their careers from allied industries who would need who would benefit from those immediate skill sets and then they migrate um, into adjoining roles in cybersecurity so that we have enough hands to work, number one. Number two is that there must be deliberate efforts to take AI up. Uh, there must be serious investment with OEMs and cyber OEMs with AI tools. And my suggestion is to start from the offense. Many organizations I know, or some of the ones I'm exposed to, typically will will start from how do we defend. They are using firewall thinking. I think we need to reverse engineer and go in the direction of offensive cyber. I mean, when you know how an attack will be launched, then you can know how much and how you should defend. That's the second thing we need to do. Number three is that because right now I think the offensive AI tools trying to launch attacks and, and the amount of money that's been spent because there's something called crime, cyber crime as a service. Now that's scary. So what it means is that there are guys today who are spending, who are putting a thousand dollars every month into the dark web and they're employing programmers all over the world to just help them discover vulnerabilities. There's a budget for every Microsoft a project Microsoft a product that comes out before it hits the market. Some people are studying its vulnerability for everything that's happening in Linux. Some people are checking out its vulnerability. Somebody is trying to find out, and it's a whole community, and they're they're organizing themselves into communities of service. And they don't they don't want to succeed today. The scary part part is that they want to be there for ten years. Just give us the ability to experiment. You bring your hundred pounds, you bring your fifty pounds, you bring your one thousand pounds, let's pull the money together and then let's start a crime as a service organization. Now this is very strong. We must mirror that behavior in defense. Meaning organizations must work together in clusters and um, cyber uh, cyber groups must begin to have what I call communities of interest that will be ready to invest money into research and thinking to help us keep the world safer. The problem is that crime seems more organized than policing. We need to find the means mm -hmm. of mirroring that interesting behavior of crime or crime psychology on the side of the defense systems. We need to have uh, anti-crime as a service too, where people, platforms and organizations are interested in keeping the world safer. There's some of them, but the energy needs to increase because what's happening on the dark web, if you, if you study it and if you ask questions around it, I can't lie to you, Thomas, is slightly worrisome. We're not ready for the avalanche of what's about to hit us, how people are developing tools on the ground and they are willing to spend money. They're willing to wait for 10 years of investing their money until they have a result. And they don't care how small the result is and they're willing to develop more. Now we need to put that energy and put those kind of communities in place and encourage that development in, on the defense side. Hmm, interesting. That's very, um, it's very insightful, but as you said, it's also somewhat worrisome that we don't yet have that balance of the sophistication of the criminals versus the criminologists who uh, should be there to help us prevent the um, increasing uh, effectiveness of these uh, cyber crimes and cyber attacks. Uh, we're we're past our allocated time, David. Um, let me let me just ask as a concluding question: 
what would your top three um, uh, recommendations be right now to organizations who are specifically undergoing or planning a digital transformation? What would you recommend that they focus on the most from a cybersecurity perspective? Okay, it should be holistic thinking. The the thinking, the the, the discussion between the business units and the solutions designer stroke architect should involve the security architect, the cybersecurity architect, architect to design together because there are trade-offs that can be made at design level so that we don't get to implementation. It's going to cost us more to involve the cybersecurity architecture team. At the, it's going to cost us far more less if they know from the beginning what we want to achieve. There are servers, there are systems, and there are human intervention elements that can make the budget far cheaper and make the transformation journey far easier. Remember, old habits die hard. That's number one. Right. That's for certain. <laughs> yes. Number two, structure, strategy, implementation will be eaten for lunch anytime it collides with culture. Culture is a strong cult. So the cyber culture or cyber awareness culture should be infused into the digital transformation project end to end, not just the implementing of the design. The third thing is that, as we know, that many transformations never succeed. It's never about the technology. It's about the transformation of the business. It's not a technology transformation project. Typically, it should ideally be business transformation. Now, that's subtle change to ensure that the business is what we have in focus, must run through the line because technology experts and enthusiasts like you and I, Thomas, we have a love for technology and we're always looking for the next thing. But look, where, where we don't need a sophisticated AI machine, where it's just an Excel sheet that we need, or we need something like an Oracle, smart Oracle database, why don't we use that? Why do we have to go for the kill? Except we're thinking life cycle engineering costing, but we want to amass more for the future because we anticipate growth. And as we do all of that, let's always think security. How many doors you install in your house is a function also of how secure you want to be, not just how many people will be entering and leaving your house and how comfortable they will be. So the two Thinkings must go hand in hand and it must be holistic. Uh, but you involve the cybersecurity architects and with the solutions architect and the design team ab initio, you will actually achieve more rather than consider to secure something that's been built already. We may it may cost us much more, as, as experience has shown. Super. Thank you, David. David, um, before before we finish, please tell us a bit more about the services that you provide and the types of projects that um, you usually are, are there to support uh, just so that our audience better understands um, what you focus on right now. Yes. Um, I work in business transformation and uh, cyber, uh, particularly with emphasis on the cybersecurity dimension. I try, I mean, one of my big passion, big passion areas uh, would be how do you make your dig digital transformation project financially successful by employing more behavioral change and tactics, uh, by moving up the dial of the cyber awareness uh, uh, behavioral patterns, 
rather than just going all the way to solutions and making more firewalls. So subjects like human firewalls and how to install those within your enterprise are my forte, within your digital that you have, some more budgets to be more productive as a business. Um, I also work in threat intelligence uh, to help you understand the threat landscape of your organization. Uh, not just the risk landscape, the threat landscape, and that's about being offensive and do threat hunting, uh, particularly on the behavioral side, uh, layering that with whatever we get from the uh, technology intel, if you have a SOC or not, uh, we're able to look at your threat landscape and then project into your uh, transformation uh, lay, lay, layout and help you to actually get more results. So I also give advice on um, anti-forensic strategies uh, because criminals are now trying to preempt forensics because they know that you're going to trace them out. So are, there's a lot of anti-forensic uh, forensic, uh, strategies that cyber criminals are using. My eye, I'm trying to help organizations in that area, very young area, in how do we do anti-anti-forensics. Um, and also, I give general advice to, to CEOs and top execs on what to do to be cyber secure, especially ensuring that they don't break the bank in doing so. Uh, basically, uh, also make sure that we are able to deploy in an agile way. Uh, I'm passionate about us having value, not 10 months down the line, but can we begin to get value for our cyber digital transformation projects from day one? How do we lay out our execution so that features can be rolled out uh, in the emergent from, from month one or from month zero, if possible, uh, th that, that kind of thing, instead of us waiting 12 months or 13 months and doesn't even mean that we are secure. Uh, and, and lastly, um, I also let help organizations to see the subtle difference between compliance and cybersecurity. Because you have all the PCI DSSs of this world, you've got ISO 2001 and everything, doesn't mean you're cyber secure. You can even now have more vulnerabilities than before you implemented that. So helping businesses see the difference between governance and uh, the cyber realm of security in itself uh, and what to do to achieve beyond governance and really becoming cyber secure. Yeah, those are the things that I work on. Super. Sounds very, very interesting and very important right now in in the global IT community. So thank you for dedicating your, your career to um, helping organizations uh, prevent cyber attacks, keeping them secure and, and helping us stay on top of where all this is going right now in the future. David, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Thomas. I appreciate you too. Thank you for listening. Follow Thomas on LinkedIn 